Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. We're going to circle round into this whole area that Neville has just talked about. But let's go on a journey. I want to introduce to you Sparky, the Cocker Spaniel. If we've got someone on that, it would be good. So this is Sparky, the Copper Spaniel. Can we go back one photo? And uh, Sparky's really hard to see here. (laughs) Black dogs are hard to take photos of. Um, This is pre-digital days and all that stuff. So these two boys are Deb's younger brothers, now in their 30s. But Sparky had been through a few homes before she came to our home. And the reason that we hadn't had a dog, because I was terrified of dogs as a kid. So dogs were not on my pet list. We'd had cat, bantams, lambs, guinea pigs, things like that. (laughs) They kind of look after themselves. We hadn't had a dog. But I went to a leaders meeting one night actually at Tim Good's house. Some of you know Tim. And uh, and in, in... and walked this dog, which I'd never had before. And I soon learned that this dog had been through two homes already, had come to live in their home, but one of their kids was suffering some allergies. So this little dog came pitter-patter up to me. She laid her head on my lap. She smiled at me, blinked her long eyelashes and flashed those dark eyes. And then Deb got in with her persuasive power, And we virtually went home with a dog. Every morning, it was my habit, when Pete had gone off to work and the kids were off to school, that I would go upstairs to my bedroom, kneel and pray and spend time alone with God. First Monday morning arrives after we inherit Sparky. I go up to my room, all ready to pray, that nice, peaceful place, all alone. And there's pitter-patter, 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 In walks Sparky, plonks herself down beside me, curled up. And I thought, "Um, this is my alone time with God. She didn't understand that. I had to adapt. She was one of those dogs that just loved to be with people. And uh, actually I was thinking when Pete uh, retired earlier this year, semi-retired, and, uh, you know, I value my alone time with God. And I'm just glad that he didn't walk into my prayer time and curl up on the floor. Because <laughs> no matter how hard he blinked his eyes, I would have said, go. <laughs> anyway, so Sparky, as I say, loved to be with people. And uh, she thought she had all the rights to our lounge furniture. Now, she wasn't a dog of big brain. And uh, however, she did figure out that the no dogs on lounge suite rule only applied when we were home. When we weren't there, the furniture was hers. She never did learn to wipe her dirty feet when she came running in from outside, across our white vinyl. She just bounded in, happy to see you. And then finding homes for her temporarily when we went away was a bit tricky because she was, should we say, an enthusiastic dog who didn't like to be left alone. And uh, she hadn't been to puppy school, as far as we could tell. 
And she thought that if people around she should be with people. She suffered from rejection, which, and you've been in three homes, you can kind of understand that. But anyway, we really enjoyed Sparky for the time that we had her. But even when she was still young, she started to have seizures. And uh, we put her on some medication, and that kind of helped for a number of years. You remember Sparky, do you, Mackenzie? No, before your time. Young thing. And uh, are you going by the age of your uncles? No, you wouldn't have. Actually, just pop the other photo on. Someone asked me um, who this is. This is Glenn. Glenn and Sparky sharing a snack at Christmas time. One starting at one end of the snack and Glenn at the other. So um, now we're distracted. All right, so yes. And then eventually uh, uh, she started to get, this Sparky that is, started to get um, going blind and deaf and had some other issues as well. And the vet believed that she actually had a brain tumour and it would be kinder on her to help her exit the world. And uh, I've never known what it is to feel like a murderer, but that day I did. And I don't know how you do your job sometimes, Neville. No emotional attachment. That's the key. All right. And although I missed Sparky, we missed Sparky, the things I didn't miss were the dead brown patches all over the lawn and the dirty footprints across our white vinyl. Now, I've told you that story in order to create emotional attachment because I watch the block and on the block they say you've got to have emotional attachment to a, to a house, to a, an interior so that people want to buy it. So I'm wanting you to buy into this message and so you're now emotionally attached and you're going to remember this. So the message is entitled Dirty Feet. Last year I read this quote from Gandhi and uh, that's, he said this, I refuse to let anyone walk through my mind with dirty feet. And that has continued to stick with me. And I've thought about it a lot. And I don't know if you can remember, Pete, can you pass me up that book? When you, um, who used to love starting a new exercise book at school? You open it up and it's nice and clean. It even smells good to start with. And it's clean and then you, you work so hard to get that first page so neat and no smudges, keep your hands clean. And the hope is always that every other page is going to follow suit. <laughs> that never happens, does it? It never happens. We're at the beginning of a new year. By the way, if somebody would like that book, I bought it to give away. I have two of them to give away to people who like nice, clean pages and we're ready to start a new journal or something. Yes, one to there. Can I have a... And one there. All right. Come and see me up. Actually, come up and get them now. Pate, there's another one in my bag there. Because I'll probably forget. That's wonderful. So new year, new book, new start, clean pages, and the challenge, how to keep them that way. How to keep them that way. You see, how do we keep those dirty feet from traipsing across the white vinyl of our minds, leaving dirty footprints of unwanted contamination, defilement, tainting, just maybe bitterness, stuff like that. Footprints of fear, maybe, or offence, or discouragement, or criticism, or 
judgments. Unwanted opinions. There's a few of those around. Have you noticed? Everybody has an opinion. And did I say offence and gossip? I did. Good. So we've got to deal with other people's dirty feet. And then we've got to deal with the devil's dirty feet. Because he just wants to traipse all over your mind and leave his dirty footprints of negativity, fear, slander, offence, bitterness. You know, the list is as long as this room. And what about not walking through other people's minds with our dirty feet? Oh, you wouldn't do that, would you? Or maybe. Maybe you've shared an offence or some negativity, a complaint, or something confidential slips out. Or you share a hearsay or false accusation. Now, I think we all get sometimes caught up in that kind of thing. The big thing is to realise it straight away and do something about it, or to stop, and then the next step is to stop before it pops out. I want to tell you today that what we hear and say is a big deal. Point number one, it is a big deal. See, I believe we're entering a year and a season globally in which it is very, very important that we guard what comes into our minds and what comes out of our mouths. Because God is calling his church to a new level of truth and integrity, of love and unity. Have you heard him calling you? He's calling us. He wants our minds and hearts guarded in this season so that amidst all these storms, the confusion, the opinions, the slander, the media bombardment, that we can actually hear the voice that matters, his voice. Discern it and then respond to what he is saying with kingdom wisdom and kingdom values. You see, it's so easy to get caught up with opinions and news and all of that, that we begin to speak about it ourselves as well with our opinions. And then we can get into building a case and operating not out of a kingdom value, but out of a worldly value. Chris Fallerton, one of the pastors at Bethel, said this back in November. The spirit of this age is dividing us believers through offence when in this season God requires us to be bonded and to love our enemies and be loyal to God's ways, not the ways of the world. Now put that in the American context and it makes even more sense. I was listening to a message of Bill Johnson's yesterday, really good one actually, if you want to listen to it, called The Power of Focus. And he said this, the spirit of offence is on discount right now. You can get 10 of those demons for the price of one if you want them. You see, the spirit of offence is a demonic entity. And it's been so evident throughout the United States. You can't, you can't have missed that. Around the elections where Christians are arguing against Christians, vehemently speaking against one another, each side determining that they've heard from God. And then the COVID-19 restrictions. Again, if we just keep in US for a moment, because it's magnified there at the moment, but 
don't be surprised if we start to get some magnification here as well. But over there, COVID-19 restrictions bringing protests and demonstrations, and you would have seen that sometimes the churches have been involved. We are under God, not the government, so we'll do what we want. We even started to see a little bit of that here in New Zealand during our lockdown. Do you remember we had one? It's like seems months ago. But for the United States, they have been nine months now where they can't meet together as churches, for example. And then racial riots, is hatred, accusations, chaos. It's a bit of a messy world out there. We live in a bit of a bubble here, but I believe God is speaking to us to be prepared. So this whole unity versus division theme has come through a lot of international prophets, and I've been listening to a lot of people, watching things, reading things, over the last, uh, since January, and just to hear from a multitude of voices, what is it that God is saying? What are the themes that we can pick up? And I'm saving two till later on, but I want to bring you this one now, which is around unity and division. This is Lana Vorsa from Australia. Currently, we see the tidal wave of destruction, fear, intimidation. God's people have been distracted by offence, bitterness, disunity. God says, I'm steam cleaning the church, purifying, correcting, aligning. There'll be a tidal wave of unity where streams, movements, denominations come together in love, stand together in love, in one accord. Patricia King from the States. Focus on the one. Get back to first love. Turn away from distraction. She believes that the enemy is going to try and distract us this year more than ever. One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in his temple and seek him, see his face. That's the one thing. She went on to say that she believes this is a decade of word Wars, not world wars, word wars. And we must be very careful that we don't engage in this. She said often we can win the battle better by being silent. We have to be very, I'm still quoting her, we have to be very careful because the enemy will try hard to divide us, watch the words of our mouths, and listen to this. We're saying things when we should be praying things. Record it. And when we speak, we're to speak in God's nature, which is love. Wanda Elgar, also from the United States, these are unprecedented times when information is at war with itself. Everybody's trying to cling to hear and cling to hopeful intel, and instead the enemy is using it to divide and conquer. She talks about a clashing of kingdoms, not only between good and evil, which is probably easier to discern, but between the spirit and the flesh, which we can also see happening. Um, Don't be surprised by the divisions, the conflicts, the confusion. Refuse its clutch and come up higher. Do not spend yourselves on debates and disagreements which cannot be fully interpreted in this realm. Now, does anybody out there that thinks they know exactly what's happening in this world and, and can tell us, I think, no, you can't. There is something happening 
in a realm that God is only allowing us to see bits of at a time. So let's not assume that we know what's going on. We're to stay clothed with a cloak of humility and mantle of peace so that we can be led by the Spirit, see clearly and walk without stumbling. Now, in amongst all this confusion and stuff that's going on, and we've had our share of different things here in New Zealand, there has arisen all this talk of hate speech. Not only in America, where some of the social media giants have now decided that they're the censorship team, but here in New Zealand, they're talking about hate speech laws. You know, if we did what God said in the scriptures, we wouldn't need hate speech laws being popped out by the government. Have a look at this verse, a couple of verses from Ephesians. Do not, do not let any unwholesome talk that's corrupt, rotten, ugly, or even worthless words. Well, then, well, that's a challenge. Don't let those things come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. There's a whole sermon in there, but you can go home and ask God for it. Actually, you go home and write the sermon. Verse 31, get rid of all bitterness. You can't keep that little bit toward that person. Get rid of all bitterness, harsh words, bad temper, resentment, animosity, quarreling, ill will. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another freely and readily as God in Christ has forgiven you. Wouldn't it be great to see our government adopt these as principles, not laws, principles that we could then follow in all kinds of ways? And I wonder if you've noticed that that some people like Jeff, who's not here, um, speak with an accent. uh, But they argue back that, no, they don't have an accent. We do. (laughs) And the truth is, everybody has an accent. The way you were taught to speak, to say words, is according to you the right way. It's just how you grew up. Well, we also see with an accent. And that also comes, it's just as an accent comes from the people around you speaking, our, the way we see things, the way we view things, the way we then judge things also comes from the environment that we grow up in, from our parents' ideas, beliefs, values, attitudes, and from their biases and prejudices. And then you add in what culture around us is saying, and we just absorb that, and then subcultures within that, And that forms our viewing accent, our seeing accent. So we filter and we judge and we make our opinions through all of that. But how do we know it's right? How do we know we're seeing correctly? Especially if you add in a few media reports. Add those in. Who's telling you how to think, how to believe? So that's why it's so important, and Neville touched on this verse a little while ago, about that when we come to Christ, that is the beginning of a journey. And the journey is a journey of transformation into the image of Christ. And the Bible tells us two things, that we're transformed as we behold his face. But we're also transformed as our mind is renewed. 
And when it's renewed enough, then our speaking accent and our seeing accent is actually a kingdom accent. We begin to think like God and to speak like God. That sounds high and mighty, but it's true. And that's what will change this world. And this is really important stuff because the times that we're coming into, it's going to be a little bit challenging. Very, very exciting. But it's more essential than ever that we have the seeing and speaking kingdom accent. And that we don't allow dirty footprints to stay in our minds. Now, sometimes we can't stop someone from walking through our minds with dirty footprints, although I'm going to give you a few clues about that later. But it's knowing how to get that cleaned up very quickly so they don't stay. There are consequences to allowing dirty feet to traipse across our mind and to begin to influence our thoughts. Check out Hebrews 12.15. Diligently... Diligently see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. That word defile there, it means to contaminate, poison or taint. So my first point is, what we say is a big deal. What we hear and say is a big deal. Second point, and there's only two, it's a big deal because God is up to something. This is where it gets exciting. Kind of scary, exciting. Kind of like, shall I hop on that roller coaster or not? <sighs> Remember there was one in, in, um, in Australia at Dreamworld. No, we did the Dreamworld one. Oh my goodness, I felt so sick. Um, <laughs> movie World. And the one where you are not seated in the thing, you are hanging. So you feel like your feet are going to scrape the ground. And I watched this, I don't know how many times I could say, okay, if you come down there, it looks like your feet are going to hit the ground, but it's not, it'll be okay. And so when I had it kind of figured out, I went on it, and you just lose all, ugh. I'm old enough now to say, be there, done that, don't have to do it again. <laughs> Which is the only reason I did it in the first place. Um, now, why do we, how do we get on to that? God is up to something big. Don't know. Anyway, he's up to something big. And the enemy is trying to oppose it, big time. Now, you may not be seeing with your eyes so much of this here in New Zealand at the moment, but you are probably beginning to see with your spirit some of these areas where the enemy is trying to resist in a more powerful way. If we were to step into the world of the persecuted church, the persecuted believers, the statistics out yesterday or the day before from Open Doors are that there's been a 60-60% increase in the number of Christian martyrs this last year. Now, I could hardly believe that figure. But you think of Boko Haram and some of these other extremist groups, and they're killing off hundreds at a time. In India, around COVID-19, people, uh, Christians, are being denied food and other things, but simply because they're Christians. There's, there's stuff happening that, yeah. Anyway, God's on the throne. And if, if you know anyone that gets martyred or read about those stories, you know where they are now, straight in the presence of God. But anyway, 
as followers of Jesus, we need to be attuned to God's voice and heart and not get caught up in this crossfire of arguments and division because the enemy is going to try and do that increasingly right here. There was a meme I heard yesterday. I haven't seen the picture that goes with it. Glenn showed us a few the other day. It says, before I agree to go into 2021, I want to see the terms and conditions. <laughs> so I'm going to bring in some more prophetic voices right now. Um, I'm not bringing these people here. I'm bringing their, their words. And so that we get some idea of some of the terms and conditions and the victories that God has in store for 2021. And I'm sure you'll want to join me. Oh, you've already said, <laughs> Neville got in first. You've already said you agreed to revival and all the rest of it. So anyway, here we go. Rick Joyner. The earth is about to behold the greatest move of God there has ever been. It will be challenging, but it's going to be worth it many times over to behold his glory and see the great things he's doing. Bishop Bill Hammond, we are on the edge of the greatest move of God that's ever taken place on planet Earth. Awakening throughout the Earth, we hear about waking up. Miracles, signs and wonders. It's going to take some serious situations, but Christians are not to fear. Bishop Joseph Garlington, we're headed into a storm. Often with the outpouring of the Spirit, and you read about it in Acts with Paul, there is opposition and resistance but a great and effective door is opened. A move of God coming that we've never seen before. Lana Vosa, 2021 will see tidal waves of God's glory, of his power, of his presence. She talks about a new era, momentous miracles. Stephen Springer, in the midst of chaos that we're seeing on this planet, there is an awakening beginning to erupt that is beyond our wildest imagination. It's not a time to lose heart, but a time to awaken. Cindy McGill, there's never been a time like the one we're stepping into. God is raising up this army of sold-out lovers, the one focus, who will not waver or shrink back. She also says the move of God is happening very quickly. A massive, mighty, quick-moving wave. This tidal wave of God's presence about to be poured out from heaven. And note this, with all the voices shouting directives at everyone in this day, it is essential we learn to hear the voice of Jesus. Which means time in his presence, it means quietness. Nate Johnson, he's an Australian but living in the States at the moment. The sleeping church will become some of the most radical warriors ever seen. The pandemic woke them up a soul-winning army. We're going to see next-level awakening throughout the earth. Revival fires breaking out organically. It's not because some one great person is standing up and everybody's rushing to their meetings. Fires breaking out organically. A greater shaking, but also greater unity. So there's a couple of themes in there. Did you notice? Amazing things of God but a challenge for us to awaken, face the storm, and know that God is so much with us, for us. And we're not facing it with the power that we had yesterday. We'll be facing it with the power that we get today and tomorrow and the next day. 
some practical tips then. So I've given you most of the time I've spent on motivating you and, um, you know, really helping you to see the why behind this. So some practical tips on dealing with other people's dirty feet because dirty feet are going to stop us from seeing God. So first of all, other people's dirty feet. And there's some scriptures there you can look up and go through. Matthew 5 and 18 should be passages that you keep written in here. If someone is sharing an offence or resentment or gossip or something that's disturbing you, you can politely stop them and ask, have you talked to the person that you're telling me about? Would you like me to come with you to talk to that person? Why are you telling me this? How do you know it's true? Could there be another side to the story? What are you basing your opinion on? (laughs) We had a situation a few weeks ago where someone was saying something quite radical. Well, not radical, defamatory actually. And, um, And I said, can you just please tell me what are you basing this opinion on? Oh, well, nothing really. It's like, oh, God. Anyway. Um, and then dealing with the devil's dirty feet. His slander and lies and accusation and you're no good, you're rotten, you'll never amount to anything, all that stuff. The Passion Translation says, we capture, like prisoners of war, every thought and insist that it Bow in obedience to Jesus. When did you last take one of those negative thoughts and insist that it bow to Jesus? Insist that it is a captive, a prisoner, a prisoner of Jesus. And then invoke a truth in its place. It's war. And then dealing with your own dirty feet. David said, set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch at the door of my lips. Is what I'm about to say true? Is it loving? Is it helpful? Is it timely? Is it confidential? Is it wise? Is it gossip? Is it coming from my offense or resentment or jealousy? Is my opinion well-founded or even necessary Do you know, you don't have to have an opinion about everything. It's actually really freeing, especially when most opinions are based on stuff that's not 100% true, sometimes 10% true. And I'll just say before I say that, you know, sometimes, and what's your motivation in saying what you're about to say? Because sometimes you can be right factually, but dead wrong because of your attitude, your motivation, your timing, whatever. And if you mess up, clean up. You shared an offence with somebody, later on it gets sorted, then you need to go back to the person you told it to and say, oh, look, it's been sorted. You shouldn't have told it in the first place, but at least try and clean up. Yeah, I do want the band up, actually. Thank you. So my challenge is this. Gandhi's quote, I refuse to let anyone walk through my mind with dirty feet. And now you know why. So these three things, be careful as to what you hear 
and what do you repeat? Guard against offences, whether that's within your peer group, within our church, or taking global issues and having an opinion or an offence. Secondly, speak what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. And sometimes what is needed in a discussion that's going on is for you to speak Jesus, is for you to speak gospel, is for you to speak kingdom. Because it's not about this messy thing down here. What is he saying? What can you add in? And then stay close to Jesus. Be all in this first love thing so that you can hear his voice amidst the challenges and storms and media reports of this year and be a part of this global tidal wave of God's presence, of God's goodness, of harvest, of miracles. And this message was brought to you to remind you. It was sponsored by Sparky the Cocker Spaniel. Remember, you bought in to the emotional attachment, so you've got to remember this message. It's a powerful time that we are living in. And I just so want us all to have that grip our hearts and be headed in the right direction. Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date with everything that is happening by following us on social media 